What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. Hey, listeners, please take a moment to follow the at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. What's up, guys? Today is Saturday, February 12th. Checking in after a pretty quiet trade deadline as far as the Warriors are concerned. Of course, you know, pretty noticeable or notable moves around the league. The Ben Simmons-James Harden trade, Kristaps Porzingis, um, stuff that happened earlier in the week that we've already talked about. Hopefully you guys got a chance to check out the Sports Ethos trade deadline show which I was actually a participant of. It was a really great experience, so highly suggest you guys go back and check that out if you didn't get a chance to. Um, I know the Sports Ethos team has a lot of great content out right now regarding trade deadline and potential um, pickups and fantasy and impact for the rest of the league and all of that. But here we are to talk about the Golden State Warriors coming off two pretty disappointing losses to the Utah Jazz, the New York Knicks. We'll dive into that a little bit deeper and look at some trends and um, talk about a little more of what some of the issues that the Warriors faced, as well as a look ahead to the matchup tonight against the also struggling Los Angeles Lakers. So Let's jump right into it, starting with the game in Utah, which was Tuesday, February 9th. This was an 85-115 loss to the Utah Jazz, and, you know, the Warriors really just got blown out in the second half. This was a 49-55 Warriors trailed the Jazz at the halftime. Warriors opened up the third quarter on a... 8-0 run taking the lead but then Utah would respond and really just put the team away um you know Hassan Whiteside really set the tone early he got six blocks at the rim that just really kind of took away the Warriors ability to get easy points in the paint it gave the Utah Jazz a lot of momentum missing Rudy Gobert seemed to not be a problem for them at all with how well Whiteside played He also had 17 rebounds. For the Warriors, though, shooting 36% from the field, 28 of 78, while Utah shot 46%, 41 of 89, and uh, 16 of 43 from three for the Warriors. Only 11 turnovers, which wasn't bad, but it was really the bench scoring that ended up being a big issue. Damian Lee, 0 of 7 from the field, 0 of 4 from three. Gary Payton, zero field goal attempts in 22 minutes. For the Warriors as a team, no individual player would make more than five field goals. Um, You had Curry, Poole, and Wiggins each hit five. There was no Klay Thompson for this game. This was a front end of the back-to-back. Also no Andre Iguodala, but we did get Kavon Looney, um, who was questionable coming into the game. And also Otto Porter, who had missed the last few games, he would return. Otto Porter would actually be the only player to finish with a net positive rating on the Warriors. He finished plus 10. Everyone else was a net negative. Um, And Porter only played 15 minutes. So, you know, this was a tough loss, really just outplayed by Utah. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of people are going to look at this game or, or a lot of people did look at this game and especially more so after the, the game in New York, which we'll talk about shortly after this. Um, and just feeling like the Warriors needed inside presence to deal with Hassan Whiteside. You know, I think sure, you know, definitely having a big body to grab some boards or, or to bang around with Whiteside could have helped. But at the same time, you know, our defense looked off. You know, everyone was struggling to keep their man in front. This really would have been a great game to have somebody like an Andre Iguodala to really help us. Um, and, you know, we saw Jonathan Kaminga get more minutes as a small ball five. I mean, he's he's doing pretty good. Um, I got to give him props for for banging around and doing the best he can. Um, Kaminga would end up playing 20, just a shade under 23 minutes, three of nine from the field, two of six from three, four of six from the free throw line, 12 points, four fouls, two boards, two assists, no steals or blocks. So, you know, I don't expect him to be defending the rim at this stage in his career. It's really more just about keeping his man in front. Um, he did the best that he could against Whiteside, but, you know, this is really just, uh, simple as, really being outplayed, um, not having enough scoring off the bench, not hitting enough threes. And, you know, you just kind of take the loss and move on. There's going to be these types of games throughout the season. Uh, missing Clay Thompson, I think, really hurt us. Andrew Wiggins never really got going, only 11 shot attempts and 13 points. Uh, Jordan Poole, kind of the same story, 14 field goal attempts, 18 points. He was the leading scorer. So, I think that really speaks to it more than anything else. Honestly, Steph Curry, five of 13, three of eight from three, 16 points. So they really took the steam out of Curry. Curry couldn't get going. He only had two assists. So the ball wasn't even really in his hands or he really wasn't even able to find teammates. And when he did, they weren't knocking down shots. I mean, Damian Lee, 0 for 7 in 27 minutes. Um, Net rating of minus 22, which was only second to Kaminga, who's minus 29. So, and then Gary Payton, I mean, 22 minutes and he didn't even put up a shot. Those are some pretty big issues in a game, not issues as in they need to be addressed long term, but just looking at at individual performances inside the game. I mean, you can't have two of your guys off the bench playing 20, 22 and a half and 27 minutes respectively and just go over. Um, 0 for 7 and one guy not even take a shot and not have your starters all go gangbusters against a good team in the Utah Jazz, you know, Um, missing Rudy Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley. I mean, the Utah Jazz, Royce O'Neal, you know, this, this is a playoff team. They've been in top team, top tier team in the West for, quite a while now they haven't made significant noise making it deep into the postseason but you know they they know how to execute and win games in the regular season moving on to the next game this was a the second game of the back-to-back wednesday february 10th against the new york knicks uh i'm sorry i got my dates wrong so the utah game was wednesday the new york game was on thursday this was a nail-biter loss, 116-114. Clay Thompson had the ball in his hands at the very end of the game with the last shot and got to a nice, relatively open 
15 foot jumper at the top of the key that I've seen Clay rail hundreds of times and it rimmed out. And, you know, that was really how the game in New York went as well. Um, New York 24 of 33 from the free throw line versus Warriors 15 of 17. That was a major issue. Warriors only seven turnovers. So, you know, back to back losses here, but only 18 turnovers combined for the two games. I like that stat a lot. Um, we've seen plenty of games where the Warriors have gotten 18 turnovers or more uh, in a single game, so that wasn't really an issue here. But Julius Randle, 28 points, 16 rebounds. Um, Curry, 35 points, 10 assists. Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga would have 17 points apiece. Wiggins and Poole would both score plus 10. But it was the bench, again, New York, 45 points off the bench versus the Warriors, 23 And so you combine the lack of bench production with the um, huge delta and free throw shooting and Randall going off and really controlling the boards offensively, defensively, and then 15 of 45 from three for the Warriors. So it's going to be hard to win games when you're conceding so much. Um, You know, and I, again, you know, a lot of people looked at that New York game, especially after the Utah game, and saw, man, you saw Whiteside get 16 boards and 17 boards and six blocks, and then follow that up with Randall racking up 16 boards. You know, where's the front court presence? This is why they need to go out and bring in a big, um, you know, you can't have, can't have, keep throwing Looney out there at the five. Um, You know, this is, this is the system. These are the guys that they got, Warriors. You know, we're pretty clear in standing pat and not making any moves at the trade deadline to say that this is the team that we want. This is the team that we're confident in and we feel like we can win. And so, sure, you know, you're going to have these stretches over the regular season. The Warriors are still in second overall and second in the West. But this is just how it goes. You're going to have games where individual players are able to take advantage of matchups and really kind of make a name for themselves in the box score and then the casual fan is going to take a look at that and say wow warriors are so small small ball isn't working we need to go out and get a big and you know we don't overreact to small sample sizes of data warriors on the season and this is something i've been touting in my shows and on twitter um, warriors on the season are number two in defensive rebounding on the year. So defensive rebounding as a team has not been an issue for the Warriors. That being said, of course, at any individual game and in any individual matchup, any player could, you know, put those numbers to the side. Statistics are just that. They're just numbers. So there's always going to be um, anomalies to the trends that have been going on throughout the season. And, and that's just how it goes. But I really feel like the main issues here against New York specifically was the disparity in free throw shooting and and bench production again you know here we had curry bounce back after a relatively quiet game in utah with 16 points and two assists to go 35 and 10 and the warriors had a shot to win the game this was a very winnable game um we didn't throw the ball away seven turnovers like i said you've got multiple guys stepping up and scoring in double figures um you know, five guys scoring in double figures, but um, but most of that was 
from the starting unit. Um, this is a game where Jonathan Kaminga actually got the start and played 36 minutes. Um, I think that might be either the most or second most that he's played. Uh, Curry got 39. Thompson got 29. Wiggins played 35. Poole played 26 and a half. Bielitsa had 20, one of five from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. Damian Lee had 17. And nobody else had more than 10. Uh, Peyton with 9, Toscano with 5, and Moody with 3. So, you know, for for the fringe guys, they need to come in and be productive when given opportunities. And that is, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to put the blame on Bielitsa and Damian Lee because that's not right. This is a team game, and and for sure the starters set the tone. Um, but the guys who are in the game need to have an impact and need to be able to contribute and need to be able to help move the needle for this team or else it's hard to justify continuing to give them minutes and opportunities to just kind of flounder. And so... Yeah, sure. You look at Damian Lee, he went 0 for 7 in Utah and he bounced back. He went 3 of 4 against New York and 2 of 3 from 3. And that's probably the difference in us having a shot at the end of the game to tie or take the win, to send it to overtime or, or go home with the W versus the game in Utah that was just no, you know, no chance at the end. Um you know, and I think a lot of people are harping on Bielitsa, who is looks like he's still trying to get right after missing some time with his with his back injury um you know and he he's been struggling as of late he can't hit a three for his life apparently um he's having trouble defensively which is you know well documented in his career but just taking a look at Bielitsa's three-point shooting the last time he actually hit a three was the game against Detroit which was on January 18th. And then before that, it was the game against Memphis, which was January 11th. So, man, his three-point shooting numbers do not look good at all. And he just continues to take these deep, deep, uncontested threes that are just off the front of the rim. So I'd really love for him to take a step in when he's loading up these threes, but... You know, it's going to be hard to win games when you give the team a significant advantage at the free throw line in bench production and then don't compensate with elite three-point shooting. And so just for reference, you know, because I'm not here overreacting, right? Yeah, we dropped two games. Oh, well, well, we're still number two. Uh, the Warriors had just come off of a nine-game win streak. And just a little bit of a comparison in the numbers in those kind of recent stretches. So... Looking at those last nine games where the Warriors won nine in a row, excluding the two losses, the Warriors were shooting 40% from three, 16 of 40, which was ranked number two, the second best for um, other, you know, comparing them to other teams in that same stretch. In the last two games that they've lost, they shot 35% from three, 15 and a half out of 44, which is 17th best. Um... When you look at the last two games from a perspective of bench scoring, the Warriors are putting up 25 points per game, which is 25th in the league. And you kind of have to consider, uh, the you know, since it was a back-to-back, one of those games was no Clay Thompson. And so you put Jordan Poole back into the starting lineup and take him out of the bench unit, which does kind of skew the numbers a little bit. Uh, but in that nine-game win streak, the Warriors were putting up 38.5 points per game off the bench, which was 12th in the league. So, 
yeah, you could point to size, you could point to Bielitsa, Damian Lee, you know, you can point fingers all you want, but at the end of the day, the Warriors have proven thus far that they can win games without Draymond Green, that they can win games with this small lineup playing small ball. Steve Kerr's system has been relatively effective in you know, pushing the Warriors and not really pushing, but maintaining the Warriors, you know, top two position in the West really throughout the entire season. So in response to those who are looking for the team to shake it up, I just don't understand why. Why would you change something that has actually been fairly productive? Um, This isn't the type of league where you overreact to a few bad losses. Now, if this stretch of play continues, you know, up until the All-Star break, so the Warriors have three more games, counting counting the game tonight against the Lakers. We go at Los Angeles Clippers and then home for Denver uh, Monday against the Clippers, Wednesday against the Nuggets, heading into the All-Star break. So, you know, let's let's give them a chance next three games if we continue to see them just get dominated. I mean, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron James tonight, that's going to be quite interesting. Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets. And then the Clippers play, play pretty small as well, but they do have uh, Zubats as well. So, you know, let's give them a chance to bounce back before we really start getting all worried and, and riled up and talking about dropping guys and and looking in the buyout market so you know i haven't put a whole lot of analysis or research into available guys in the buyout market thus far but you know i don't think it's become quite as bad of an issue as others are have kind of suggested or uh vehemently calling for so again three more games left heading into the all-star break I'd like to see the Warriors kind of bounce back in this little run. If the Warriors can right the ship and rip off another three-game win streak, that'd be really nice. Help quell all of the noise that's going on, calling for change. But, you know, if this is a trend that continues and Warriors continue dropping games and continue to struggle in the standing, sure, you know, you might end up seeing them make an adjustment here or there, but there's not really that much room to do anything with because we're 15 guys, you know, it's going to come at the cost of Damian Lee, Toscano Anderson, or Bielitsa. Um, You know, you'd think maybe it's Bielitsa, but at the same time, if he ever figures out how to hit a shot, I mean, he he's a guy who can come off the bench kind of like most spades and be like this microwave scorer who has um, a lot of gifts offensively. He can... He can um, dribble the ball in transition. He can do some playmaking. He's able to attack the rim. Sure, defensive struggles are well are well known for Bielitsa. He's not out there to be an, an elite defensive stopper. But, you know, occasionally at times he's had stretches where he's done an admirable job of keeping his guy in front and boxing out. And there's other times where... He just looks a step slow, and anybody that he's guarding or switched onto blows right by him. But regardless, I don't think, without knowing names of who's available in the buyout market, I don't know anyone that's going to come in day one and immediately rectify that. And, you know, Kavan Looney says his goal is to play in all 82 games. I'd love to see that come to fruition. He nearly missed 
um the you know those games in utah and new york which was a back-to-back but the fact that he played through it kind of speaks to his um his strength and his availability this season and, and what his goals are and so and then also jonathan kaminga who just came off of playing a game where he played 36 minutes against new york so i'd love for kaminga to continue to get those minutes as a small five love to continue to see looney build on his best season as a warrior to date and i don't know if bringing in somebody like a deandre jordan for example is really going to do much other than just like throw a guy out there for for five or ten minutes just for the sake of doing that and just completely change the whole system and approach that the warriors are using um because of that so you know, for better or worse, you don't have to agree. You don't have to think that it's the right way. But the Warriors are invested in this group of 15. You know, I don't think they're going to do anything in the buyout market. I don't think that they're going to change anything. This is still a team that has yet to see Steph, Clay, and Draymond play together. And that's the core, right? That's always been the core. Now you can add Wiggins and Poole into that core as well, and Looney, right? So you got a very strong six-man core i guess even iguodala too so very strong seven man core with some very good veteran pieces at the edge Otto porter uh damian lee and toscano anderson who know the system and play really hard yeah toscano's play has not been good as of late but you know what kerr's not giving him any minutes as well and those minutes have been going to kaminga so kaminga continues to look good i like that he's getting more and more opportunity and more and more trust from the coaching staff you see him attack the rim aggressively um he did struggle a little bit against Whiteside, which is kind of like the first elite kind of rim protector that he's gone up against that he hasn't really been able to just displace with his um attacks to the hoop but again so just kind of getting back finishing the point that i'm trying to make which is i'm okay with us dropping games and i'm okay with us having matchups against like a Carl Anthony Towns or Nikola Jokic and just know that those guys are going to get theirs. They're going to go off for 20, you know, 20 and 10, 20 and 20, whatever it is, 20 and 15. But that doesn't predicate Warriors losing. Um, If the Warriors are able to play and execute their game plan and restrict everyone else's um, opportunities on the opposing team, and hit their threes, get the bench production, not get beat up so much of the free throw line, you know, continue to limit turnovers. They still are able to execute and win games, even if, you know, the opposing the opposing bigs go off for big nights. And so I'd like to see them get back to that as they were, as they just had been ripping off a nine game win streak before, you know, really calling for and feeling like there needs to be a lot of change and you know maybe i'm wrong maybe the warriors are wrong maybe lake and myers are wrong maybe this is you know setting us up to fail and we're not going to be healthy and you're playing looney too much and kaminga's not ready and Otto porter and and andre guadala are hobbled on one leg and um sure all of that might be true but based on how this roster has been constructed and built and the fact that they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, nor really were there any moves to be made at the trade deadline without significantly undervaluing the assets that they had and 
James Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody, and potentially Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, maybe they don't win this year, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm not of the belief that they have to win this year and they need to sacrifice and mortgage everything to ensure a ring this year. Of course, I'd like them to. Of course, it's short of a news update that Draymond Green is not going to be available. Um, I do expect this team to really round into form come spring, summertime, which is what you want, right? Hang around. It's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're going to have win streaks. You're going to have losing streaks. You're going to have streaks where the Warriors look like the clear-cut favorites, and you're going to have other streaks where, oh my God, what are we doing? Our roster is so flawed, and there's nothing we can do, and we don't have a chance against stopping Giannis or Anthony Davis or LeBron James or whatever, whatever the narrative is. Um, let's see what happens when it comes playoff time. And in the offseason, once it's all said and done, sure, then they'll take a long look at the team and decide, you know what, this isn't going to cut it. You know, James Wiseman didn't look good when he came back, or we really need to make some adjustments or whatever it is. So have faith, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Don't overreact to a few tough losses. And a nice little segue to look ahead to the game tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, who are struggling in their own right. Lakers are 26 and 30, ninth in the NBA. They're currently on a two-game losing streak after a pretty bad beat against Portland and a pretty bad beat against Milwaukee after an overtime win against New York. So, you know, I'm sure you know, it's been it, it's been the media has, for better or for worse, the media really keys in on the Lakers and everything that's going on there. We all know that Russell Westbrook is struggling. Doesn't seem like he's a great fit in LA, but it's still the Lakers. They've got LeBron and Davis. We just talked about how the Warriors have been struggling to contain um, bigs. Davis is definitely a guy who could also continue this trend of like 20 and 15 and six blocks. Um, you know, LeBron... While, ha- while the Lakers haven't been winning, LeBron continues to put up big stat lines. And so, you know, I don't feel like it's a lock that the Warriors take, ca- take care of business tonight, especially if the trends that we've just hit on of looking at not being able to get bench production and consistently hit threes, um, as well as fouling and allowing the other team to get so many free shots at the foul line. You know, this isn't a lock for the Warriors, so they really need to take care of business from the start, limit their turnovers, execute um, execute their game plan. Kevon Looney's going to be a really big piece staying out of foul trouble. You know, and, and historically, it's really been Draymond Green who's been able to shut down Anthony Davis, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I'm curious if Kaminga will get opportunities to defend Davis. Um you know, there's no Iguodala, and uh, I think Otto Porter should be available for the game tonight. So it'll be interesting to see who matches up against LeBron. And then it's really stopping everyone else on the Lakers, right? Because Davis and LeBron are not going to be able to score 100 together. So if you're able to limit everyone else's production outside of Davis and LeBron, and the Warriors get contributions up and down the lineup offensively and defensively, I think that they're more than capable of taking care of the Lakers. 
Um, but I do think that this is very much a statement game for the Warriors, having some, you know, two bad beats against the Knicks and the Jazz. Losing to the Lakers, who are also struggling in their own right, would be a really big win for the Lakers and also just kind of further submit um, what all this noise has been about the Warriors and their lack of size and depth and just kind of add more fuel to the fire for all these haters. So, hey, guys, I just wanted to remind you that we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. So that's all we got, guys. Once again, thanks for listening to the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm Sam Orlick. You can follow me at Twitter at SD Orlick. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. And, you know, let's go Dubs. Looking for them to bounce back against the Lakers tonight. And we'll catch you for the next one.